You're listening to the Self Disruption Show on iHeartRadio with Audrey Lawrence. Hacking business, science, and psychology to smash your goals. This is Audrey Lawrence. You're listening to the Self Disruption Show on iHeartRadio. sink. But when we talk about stories of success, when we talk about making it through the storm, there are some people I need for you to meet. And today I need you to meet Amy Dresner. I am obsessed with her Instagram. If you want to hear the raw truth of who it is to make it through the rough ends of life, it's like watching your best friend from high school come out as a Rocky champion at the other end. Amy, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Audrey, for having me. Listen, I'm, really excited to be I'm here. addicted. Can you hear I didn't even my know. I had no idea. I'm just like post like my truths. And I'm like, this is like really embarrassing and really dark. I doubt anyone will like identify. And then everyone's like, oh my God, get out of my brain. Like, I, I feel this so hard. And I'm like, that's what I've really learned is like when you speak the truth that, you know, your deepest, darkest truth the most embarrassing stuff that you, you know, it's like you end up talking, saying the thing that everyone is thinking that no one dares say. And it's like, none of our secrets or feelings are that unique. Like the stuff that I think is super, super unique that no one's gonna identify, they're just gonna laugh at me. Everyone's like, oh my God, like I needed to hear that. And I'm like, wow. So, you You know- validate the dark corners. Like it's not just, and I said this before off air, but you know, it's not these happy Instagram quotes, quotes. It's the real stuff. It's the stuff that we need to hear. Now, thank God you're writing your second book so we can learn more about you, but fill our listeners in who are just tuning in, maybe in Tampa or in our iHeartRadio audience and talk about how you got to this place where we're all obsessed with you. Okay. So, um, I was a really good girl and, you know, raised, you know, in a pretty, a decently affluent, you know, uh, community went to a really, you know, high profile, all girls uniform school, both my parents, highly educated creatives. My father's screenwriter, my mother's designer. They split when I was very young. Um, and I, you know, went to college, did really well. And then I sort of, just took a like a hard right and just crashed and I started to have real problems I started to have real depression at around 19 I think I had like my first nervous breakdown and um and by 24 I was addicted to crystal meth and then the next 20 years were just in and out of rehabs and psych wards and you know uh, I did have periods of sobriety I was writing for magazines all that kind of stuff but um Then things really, really blew up in my face when uh, I got married and I relapsed and I pulled a knife on him one night when I was loaded. It was not a great marriage. And, uh, you know, I'm a monster when I'm loaded. So uh, that's why I don't get loaded anymore. I'm not like the happy drunk. I'm like the, you know what I hate about you? Like I'm violent and rapey and horrible. And, um, I went to jail for felony domestic violence, like the Beverly Hills Jew, you know, my parents were just like, what is happening? Like, what the fuck? And uh, they thought they'd seen the worst of it with the suicide attempts and the rehabs and the shooting up and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, now this, like what? And it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I did lose everything and end up penniless in a psych ward. And I went to treatment and had a couple more slips and uh, I had a huge epiphany 
doing community labor, like sweeping the streets court ordered. I had this epiphany that changed my life and I've been sober ever since. And um, when I was doing the community labor, I was posting on Facebook and people were dying laughing because my thing is instead of being ashamed of it and hiding it, just own it, just embrace it and own it and find the humor because then no one has anything on you. You know what I mean? What are they going to say? Like, oh, I heard you stabbed your husband and you shot Coke in your neck. It's like, yeah, I wrote a book about it. What else you got? Like, you're free. You're totally free. You're so, free. I love it. Yeah. And so um, when everyone just was like flipped out over the, po- uh, over, the, over the posts. And so that's when my editor at the time was like, that's your book. And I was like, what? So my first book is a memoir, My Fair Junkie, and it opens with the incident with the knife and it takes you through my, you know, divorce, my criminal case, uh, losing everything, you know, being like hot, you know, being this sort of like jappy princess to like being on medical disability, you know, with zero money. And like, that was all really important. Um, And then also, you know, the epiphany, obviously, and through some sex addiction that I developed in the early sobriety, which is, you know, not many women write about that kind of stuff. They don't write about sex addiction. They're not, they don't write about being a perpetrator of domestic violence. They don't, you know, there's a lot of stigma around IV drug use. And I just was like, hey, man, I don't care. You know, even my editor was like, hmm, do we tone it down a little bit? Like, "Uh." and I was like, no, you know, I don't care. Like, I need to speak the truth. This is to help people. This is to give people hope. And it does exactly that. It is a safe place. When you see somebody sharing, it becomes this safe place for someone else to find their own recovery traction in. Have you found a community of people who are moving towards their own recovery because of your story? Completely. I get, I've gotten emails for years. I mean, people are just like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I cannot tell you how much your story meant to me, how your vulnerability, your bravery, you gave me so much hope. Like I, you know, I, I, I finally feel like maybe I could do this. I went back into treatment. I'm, you know, I'm like all this kind of stuff. Thanks for talking about the stuff that no one talks about. Like, I really didn't care about looking good. You know, I was like, I mean, you know, there's a narrative arc for memoirs that, you know, editors are obsessed with that kind of stuff. And it's also like, I just, I didn't care about looking like an asshole. Like I was an asshole. I was really mentally ill and I was on a lot of drugs and, you know, I had a metamorphosis over time and I wanted to show that. So, I mean, I think if you're trying to look good in an addiction memoir, you're just not being honest enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, although I'm friends with a lot of those um, advocates and stuff like that, like maybe they're not as mentally ill as me. Maybe they, their addiction, you know, my bottom was much lower, you know, maybe they have their, their life is better than mine. I don't know. But like, I, I don't like bullshit. That's not my jam. I like the real, real deal because I think that's how you help people. And I think in a world where everyone feels more disconnected than they ever have and everything's filtered and everything's curated and everything looks good, then people just feel so bad about themselves. And they're, you know, you're, you're comparing yourself to, you know, a model that's airbrushed they don't even the model doesn't even look like that so it's like on instagram everything is curated and perfect and these inspirational quotes and inspirational quotes are great but to me what's inspirational is like overcoming like really gnarly adversity and coming out the other end that's you know that to me is inspirational 
inspirational is being brave and speaking your truth and not caring what people think. You know, that to me is inspirational. Tell us your Instagram, Amy, before I forget. I know what it is. It's really easy. It's just my name. Yeah. So for those of you, you've got to check out Amy. You have to understand that when she says filterless, she's not kidding. (laughs) To the point where we were wondering if we're going to be able to air this. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun to put a warning on our show? Because we want what people need. And in this world, when the filter has caused us to hate ourselves because we don't look like the person next door or the measurement that everyone's using. Amy just dissolves those silos of thinking. Amy creates these permeable mentalities that the thing that you thought only you are alone thinking, not only is Amy said it, she's posted it for the world to see. And you know what happens? It's an equalizer. Suddenly we are all freed by it. We are all united by it. We are educated by it. And we find that moment where we can turn around and for some of us reach out for the help that we've needed. And I love how you talk about, you don't have to have help in a single methodology. If you need AA, or if you need your faith, or if you want your church, it doesn't matter. Wherever you find your altar to help yourself is your own altar. Tell us what you think about real raw recovery for people across, regardless of the vertical. And listen, we're talking food, we're talking sex, we're talking drugs, it doesn't matter. What does it take for us to get real inside our heart and find the first step of recovery? Well, I, I mean, I don't think those things are, are disconnected. For me, I have, I, I had an eating disorder before I ever became an alcoholic and a drug addict before, and then I became a sex addict and you know what I mean? So it's like, and then, so to me, it's all, and when I've, when I've looked into the science, you know, a lot of people with um, addiction have low dopamine tone. They're born with low dopamine tone. So they're always feeling just a sort of uncomfortable in their skin. And so when we find something that gives us a shot of dopamine, we're like, oh my God. But most of the things that we end up abusing make our dopamine go up too high. And then it comes crashing down and it creates this horrible cycle. You can get dopamine from things that are not quite as exciting and not, you know, like by helping others and connecting and blah, blah, blah. And it's like not or exercising or meditating or whatever. I mean, it's not like that, like shooting Coke in your fucking eyeball, but like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it does start to equalize that a little bit. Um, For me, I mean, some people really have to hit bottom and I pray that other people don't have to hit that kind of bottom over and over and over again that I did, but some people take that. Um, my sponsor, when I was in my, deep in my sex addiction and I was around two or three years sober again, um, my sponsor said, you stop a behavior when what it's doing to you is worse than what it's doing for you. And that kind of blew my mind. Yep. Wow. Um, and I was like, oh, so, you know, for me, when the consequences started to just get so, so big, I think it's really about realizing that you can tolerate your feelings. You know, that was for me. I mean, food, all of that stuff was me running away from my feelings, running away from my life, you know? And I just was like, I got to check out. I got to check out. I can't handle this. I got to check out. And so realizing that you can tolerate your feelings, they're not going to kill you. You don't have to act out on them. You don't have to medicate them with food or sex or gaming or shopping or whatever you can ride that thing through and like you know there are supplements you can take there are things that you can do tools that you can do to kind of center yourself 
there are things, you know, and it's, it's so for me, that was really, that was, that was really the turning point for me was just realizing like, I, I can sit through this and not act out on it. And, um, but the, the, the epiphany that I had on the chain gang was like, oh my God, addiction doesn't discriminate and violence doesn't discriminate. Like I am, it was the great equalizer for me. I was the only woman on the chain gang. It was like me and like 50 Hispanic dudes. And I showed up and I was like, oh my God, like these people are criminals. Like what am I doing here? And you know, they were, you know, one guy came up to me and he was like, what's up, Weta? You know, why are you here? Huh? I'm here for DUI. What you here for? And I was like, oh, I'm here for felony domestic violence with a deadly weapon. They were like, oh shit, you know? And it was like, so I realized really quickly, like I was the criminal, like I had more time to do by the courts than anyone else. And I was one of the very few people there for assault. And it just flipped the whole, my whole paradigm. And um, it created a type of unity and a compassion that we are all capable of everything, good and bad, and that no one is immune. And, no one um, is immune. We are all capable of everything. Yes. This is Audrey Lawrence. We're going to be right back with Amy Dresner after these messages. This is Audrey Lawrence. You're listening to the Self Disruption Show on iHeartRadio and WWPR in Tampa Bay, where we find the most dramatic opportunities of success so we can learn from them. And today we are back with Amy Dresner sharing her story about being on the chain gang. Amy, my gosh. So tell us. I just need to know where I can get the book. Tell me where I can find you, your content, your book, your website. I got to hear your show and um, your podcast. Tell us where I can learn more about you, Amy. So the book's been out since 2017. I'm working on my second book, which is going to be about sort of more life and recovery. And I'm kind of going to just destroy those myths that you get sober and everything is unicorns and rainbows. Cause that's just not true. There's a lot of developmental delay. There's a lot of regret. There's a lot of emotional baggage. There's a lot of financial baggage. There's criminal records. There's, there's a lot of stuff. There's, if you were depressed before, you still have depression. You know what I mean? You're just not using. And so I don't want people to feel like they're doing it wrong. And I don't like this sort of narrative that's being put out there, which is like, oh my God, you get sober. And it's just amazing. And things are perfect. Like life goes on. And so, you know, my mom got dementia. I got my heart destroyed. My father got cancer. Like, you know, you've got to stay sober through life's ups and downs and also growing up. Like I didn't grow up. I was in this bubble for 20 years. You know what I mean? Where people coddled me and I was just numb to the world. And all of a sudden I'm like out in the world. And I don't know how to do anything. Wow. You know, I've got a Coping. lot of catching up to do. And it's really been, uh, you know, learning and also asking for help going, Hey, I don't know. Like, I don't know when I'm supposed to change my oil. Like, I don't know these things. I can't cook. Like, I don't, how do I do my taxes? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, when you're, you know, fighting for your life, you're not worried about that kind of stuff. You're just not, you don't care, you know? So, I mean, the big thing for me, I think was reframing. Like I'm on the chain gang. I'm in a sober living. I'm 42 years old. I have zero money. I had grown up with a trust fund. Like my whole world is flipped upside down. Now I have a criminal record. I'm like, this is so horrible. And I was really angry. I was like, you know, my ex sucks and my lawyer sucked and the police suck. And then I just went, you know what? This could be the best thing that ever happened to you, Amy. Or it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And it's really your decision. 
what if this is the best thing that ever happened to you, but in disguise, you know, and Ram Dass has a thing that everything is sort of your guru, you know what I mean? And in, in drag and uh, can you even say drag anymore? I don't even know, Jesus. Uh, so I decided, I was like, well, you have to get through this. You're going to go to jail. So I was like, how, how could this be the best thing that ever happened to me? What if I embraced this and saw this as a gift and lessons? And so I did, I was like, well, I can learn to sweep, which I, I can come sweep for you anytime you want. I'm, I'm really good at it now. Um, you know, I can learn empathy. I can learn teamwork. I can learn to finish what I can start. I can learn a work ethic. I was like, I can, you know, take responsibility for my actions and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I did. I embraced it as this incredible opportunity for change and it changed me. And I've been sober ever since. And, um, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, it was the biggest gift. And so I think that's the big thing is that sometimes the thing that you think is like the worst thing that's happening to you is actually exactly what you need. We get exactly what we need to learn the lessons that we need to learn. But, you, you know, it's like, for me, I was getting many wake up calls and I just wasn't listening. Right. I was like, you meet your destiny on the road, you go to avoid it. Whatever work you need to do on yourself, you have to do that work. Like, you know, it, the wake up calls get like gnarlier and louder and more horrible and the consequences. So it's like, whatever, you know, you need to work on, just work on it because yeah. you're going to have to eventually anyway. Yeah. Your lessons, you know, we think about life. Life is recovery from all sorts of things, from bad relationships, from weaknesses, from spinning our wheels, from deficiencies. We all have an opportunity to learn from Amy. There's an opportunity to pull from her God, I mean, look at some of the experiences you've been through and really have takeaways in our own life. Because you know what? Very often, parenting, growing up, living the life of what a grown up is, it's just new experiences. And if we put on your lens and looked at it from that perspective, that you've just got to get out there and allow yourself to embrace, allow yourself to learn, let the feelings not turn into the wrong feelings that make the wrong decisions in your life, that pull us down the wrong road. They're just feelings, they come they go and they shouldn't depict the outcome of our future. They shouldn't decide our success for us because we're afraid or because we're worried or because everyone's afraid. Everyone's afraid. You know what I mean? Like fear is part of it. And that's like being brave is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I mean, I think that for me, what I realized was that if I took contrary action and did what I needed to do, no matter how I felt over and over and over again, that I could re that you it's neuroplasticity, you rewire your brain. So you become a different person over time, you know, and it's like, whether you do that through AA or cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever, it's like, basically you're, you're just creating a new neural pathway that eventually becomes the default. And that's what I had to do. So I had to act myself into a different person because I had been in therapy for 30 years and bought people islands and Rolls Royces and was still had the same issues. I knew what all my stuff was, but I, I wasn't changing. And so it's really about action. Who cares if you're afraid? You know, I mean, I just really was like, I'm going to write a book and people were like, okay, yeah, good luck with that. You know? And it was like, and then I think that when you make a decision, things start to line up for you. And then a friend who'd gotten a book deal was like, I said, Hey, will you just pass on some of my articles to your agent? And she was like, sure. I mean, you've got to be willing to ask for help. And I help all writers too. And it's like, and now writers help me. So it's like, it all comes around. It's all and he was like, oh my God, I love your writing. Like, let, let's get on the phone, pitch me your book. 
And he was like, great, write it. Like, and it was just that easy. And I know for everyone, it's not that easy to get an agent or be published or whatever, but it's like, you know, I just was like, this will happen. I'm going to make this happen. You know, and we look at the science of commitment when we commit ourselves and we look at some of those contrarian commitments we've seen. We've seen Rosa Parks commit herself to a seat on the bus without knowing the prolific impact that she would be the force to change. We saw our forefathers commit to freedom in this country without any clue that was this would become America. You have to drill into that moment or you're going to channel your contrarian thinking and make a commitment that's going to change your future. And it doesn't happen until you take onus of that moment because nobody is making that commitment for you. Nobody is going to wake up and decide that they're going to change the world with a mustard seed idea like Gandhi, like Martin Luther King, like Columbus. 600 years ago, we thought the world was flat. But contrary in thinking and commitment of an idea can change how you think about your life and change how people think about you. I love your story. Tell us your website. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us your podcast. I know you got a lot going on. The name of the first book. Uh, The first book is called My Fair Junkie. Um, It's around, it's mostly, I think, on Amazon, although a lot of people don't like to buy on Amazon, but people really dig the Audible a lot where that I got to narrate because I used to be a comic. So that was cool. Uh, There's paperback, there's uh, Kindle, there's hardcover. It's on other websites. Also, you can go to my website, uh, amydresner.com. You can see, you know, all the podcasts I've done, all the articles I've written, articles about me um links to buy the book uh beautiful pictures um and instagram with the cat with Pow. colonel puff puff yeah he's become his own like weird famous person i don't run his instagram i'm not that crazy like i know i know i I really think that's kept me from getting laid because people (laughs) think that i have my own my cat has his own instagram and like a clothing line i had nothing to do with any of that that was all other people and i don't run any of it and people are like is that you're responding to yourself as your cat i'm like it's not me and no one believes me but it's fine it doesn't matter um so second book is coming sort of like welcome to the real world bitch you know what i mean welcome to the real world like here we go uh, when you get out of that bubble. Um, and cause there aren't really any books about life in recovery. They're all like addiction memoirs and mine included, you know, and the difficulty, I really want to talk about what I went through, like my dad's cancer, my mom's dementia and the grief of heartbreak and finances and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. It was really, really gnarly, you know, really gnarly. Um, Lessons we need to hear lessons we can all learn from. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, my father said to me years ago, he was just like, discipline creates stability. Stability doesn't create discipline. And so what I was like, I don't even know what you mean. But what he means is that sort of a disciplined routine life, doing things when you don't feel like doing them, putting in the hard work, creates that feeling of stability that you're looking for inside. If you're waiting to feel stable and waiting to feel like you want to do it, like, good luck, you're going to wait forever. And it took me a very long time to figure that out. You know, that the action changes the feelings. Again, it's bi-directionality. You can change things through, you know, the feeling creates an action or you can take an action and it changes the feeling, you know. You can take um, an action and it changes the feeling. Amy, tell our listeners what I forgot to ask you before we close. I always throw it to the guests because you know what? I'm always lost in thought, but I felt like I missed something today. Tell us what we need to know on closing. Give us a little bit of AD before we go. 
God. Don't shame yourself. Don't do not shame yourself. Shame lowers your dopamine. Don't let other people shame you. Screw what